Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're thankful that you're joining us for our Wednesday night Bible study. So glad that you're all able to join us online just by way of announcement to all of our in-person family. Uh, we are monitoring the sicknesses that are going around, the different cases of COVID and things. And we will give you a better picture later in the week, Friday probably, of how that plays out for our weekend services. We're planning to have services at this time, but we are asking if you've been sick or are not feeling well, please stay home and uh, we'll get through all of this together in Jesus' name. We're so thankful for the touch of God and uh, we're praying for all of you that are not feeling well tonight. Praise God. We are, uh, I'm looking at John chapter 19. And I want to read from verse number 16, John chapter 19, verse 16 says, so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And then I want to read one scripture in uh, 1 Peter chapter four, 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse number 4. It says this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That is going to be quite a day when the great shepherd gives us a crown of glory. And I'm looking forward to that day, uh, but I believe that Jesus wants to do something for us in the here and now. And uh, the reason why I believe he does that is because he knows that without him, we are hopeless. And so tonight I want to just share with you this thought. If you want to obtain the crown, you must first find the cross. If you want to obtain a crown, you must first find the cross. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment and allow God to speak to you? Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. I'm asking you to touch somebody's heart, mind, and soul tonight. and Allow us, Lord God, to receive from your word. I pray your many blessings upon everyone that would hear this and allow your, your glory of your cross to become the glory of our crown. We'll love you and we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. I am thankful tonight for the cross because the cross is a precursor to the hope that Christ has given us to walk in newness of life here on earth, but is also a hope of a future place of residence. We call it heaven. And I'm looking forward to the rapture. Uh, the catching away of the saints, if you will. I believe it's going to be one of the most awesome events in history. And uh, I also don't know how everything's going to work out. I just know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen quickly. But if you'll allow me to imagine just for a moment all of the things that uh, are going to be there, I can almost see New Jerusalem off in the distance. And I see the beautiful walls of Jasper and the gates of Pearl. And when I step into that city, the streets are the purest gold. What a promise that's going to be. What an opportunity we have to be ready to go to a place like that. We think our homes are nice 
here on the earth. I can't imagine even what it's going to be like over there. There may even be some angels fishing out in the sea of crystal. Who knows? But I picture myself turning around and seeing all of my loved ones that have gone on before. My grandparents, my great-grandparents, my father, my aunts and uncles that have all gone before. And uh, there's not going to be any more allergies. We're not going to have to worry about COVID there. We're not going to have to worry about the flu, et cetera, et cetera. We know that there's a place where there's no tears, no heartaches. There's going to be joy forevermore, no more bills. And forever we're going to be with Jesus. And that's going to be the greatest thing and the greatest destination. But my destiny isn't there. My destiny is first at the cross and not at the destination. I believe that one day we're going to walk up to Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, that which was and is to come. And uh, we're going to see him face to face and he's going to look deep into our eyes. And with the love and pride of a father handing a treasure to a son, he's going to reach out, embrace us, pick up a crown, put that crown upon our brow. And the crown of thorns that he bore at Calvary will be my crown of jewels at the rapture. I just am excited about that hope. But I have to understand that I will not experience any of that unless I first obtain the cross. Before I can hope to get a crown, I must find my way to the cross. And there's several reasons that we need to find the cross of Christ today, but I, I just, I don't have all night. And so I want to just share a few of them with you. Uh, the first would be that the cross is a place of crucifixion. First Peter chapter two, verse 24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. I wasn't crucified for you and you weren't crucified for me on the cross. The cross was still under the law, if you will. It was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. And Christ was crucified to pay the death debt that was hanging over our heads. And if it wasn't for the cross, you and I wouldn't even have the opportunity really to sit in his presence on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday or here tonight while we're breaking the word of the Lord open. And so the first place is it's a place of crucifixion. It's at the crucifixion is where Jesus bore the curse for us. Uh, Galatians 3.13 says it this way. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And that's usually where we stop reading. We, 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 let, we quote that, that phrase or that verse, verse 13 quite often, or that first part of verse 13. But the verse doesn't stop there. There's no ending punctuation. It, it's not a, uh, it's only a colon. It's not a period at the end of that verse. In verse 14, goes on to give us the reason that Jesus became the curse for us. It says this, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let me tell you this tonight, and I pray that you receive it, without Christ being made a curse on Calvary, 
we might as well hang up any kind of salvation experience that we may desire or may have. Without that curse being found on Christ, being nailed to the tree with him, being crucified with him, we would just be going through religious rituals, uh, the, the rites and, and through the motions of churchosity, if you will. I know I made that word up. And, uh, but because he did allow himself to be made a curse, we do have the opportunity to receive the promise of his presence, the new birth experience, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You, you can't expect to receive the Holy Ghost until you find a place at the foot of the cross. For it's at the foot of the cross where the crucifixion is applied. It's at the foot of the cross where the curse has been crucified with Christ. We can't allow ourselves to really expect to be used in the realm of spiritual dimensions until we visit the place of the skull. We can't expect a healing until we go to the cross where the Bible says by his stripes we were healed. And so the first thing tonight is the place of the cross is a place of crucifixion. It's a place where the curse died. It's a place where the power of the cross was gathered together on him called Jesus. And it was he, he died that death so that you and I could spiritually come alive. So secondly, the cross is a place of separation. Now, this is the place that Christ truly felt forsaken of the divine nature. Because the sin of the whole world was upon him, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, sin separates you from divine communion. In fact, I believe it this way, and I've shared this with the church before, but when Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, I don't think he was talking about people. I don't think the people have ever been lost. I think God has known exactly where every individual is for every speck of time. What was lost, what was lost was that thing that Adam and Eve had with God, and that was free will communion. That's what God's been looking for. And he's looking for any of us that are willing, whosoever wills, let him come to him and commune with him and have a relationship with him and have fellowship with him. See, if you haven't been able to communicate with God or commune with God and haven't been able to hear him and him hear you, maybe there is something that you need to lay down at the foot of the cross. And maybe it could be a sin, but maybe it's just a weight that so easily besets you like the writer of Hebrews lets us know. The cross is the place where you can lay that down because the cross is the place of separation. It's where we separate ourselves from our old man. It's where we separate ourselves from our old nature, where our deeds can be separated from that which we were to that which we will become. And then third, it's where the repentant sinner is separated from his sin. When you kneel before the cross, you are separated from the sin that has enveloped you. The only place that you'll ever find salvation is at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's one of the reasons that I believe that we don't know exactly where Jesus was crucified. We have an idea 
there is a traditional site in Israel outside the Jerusalem gates, the hill that we think is the hill of Golgotha. But we don't really know exactly for sure where that cross was. And uh, you couldn't take you, traditionally you could take to a, a hillside and, and say, yeah, this is probably where it was, but to where that exact hole was, where the, because I believe that God understood our nature, that we would memorialize the place instead of the person, that we would look to the, the, the emblem instead of the equipper. You see, the cross is just the emblem. It's the Christ that hung on the cross. And Christ didn't stay on the cross, so the cross can't be a fixed position. The cross is wherever you find your Christ. Wherever you find Jesus, you can find the cross. You can be driving down the road and you can find the cross. You can be sitting in the office and you can find the cross. Wherever you find Jesus, you'll find the cross because the cross is not a fixed position. The cross is a place where Christ interacts with the old flesh of who we are, our old nature, and separates us from that sin. You see, the cross is the thing that takes you from old man to new man, from old creature to new creature. It is the transforming link, if you will, from your, I know that most of us don't recognize the fact that we are immortal yet because we still carry our physical bodies and our physical bodies are, are, are will pass away some point if the Lord should tarry. But really, we are eternal beings already because we've been to the cross. It's just that our body has not been transformed yet, but our spirit and our soul have been transformed at the cross and have made us eternal. We're just waiting for the glorified body. Praise God. The fourth thing that I want to bring out tonight is that the cross is where a repentant sinner is separated from an unrepentant sinner. The one thief mocked Jesus and made fun of him on the cross, but the other sinner found repentance. And in that moment of time of repentance, he found paradise. Let me tell you what my pastor used to tell me. There's very little difference between you and your neighbor at the foot of the cross, but there is a difference at the foot of the cross. You, you see, the only thing that separates you from being the worst person in the world is the cross of Calvary. And we so often forget that we walk such really a fine line between what we were and what we are. But that fine line is very bold and very strong because it's the, it's the line of Christ. It's the cross of Christ. It's like I said a little bit ago, it's where our old man becomes our new man. And we become who we are in Christ because of the cross. Now, the Bible says, don't think so highly of yourselves as you ought to think, lest we be deceived. And I believe that it's important that we know who we are and not who we are in ourselves, but be bold in who we are in him. I am not who I am today because of me. I am who I am today because I've been to this cross and God has separated me from my sin. He's also separated me from the sinner and allowed the sinner in me to be removed. And I am a new creature in Christ. And so while I don't 
look so highly as I ought to think about who I am. I am very bold in who God has made me. I am a child of God. I have been purchased with the blood of the lamb. I have been bought with a price. He has called me and separated me unto himself. He has declared me to be holy by the cross of Christ. I know who I am in him. But here's the thing. It's in him. It's his cross. It's his blood. It's the price that he paid that makes me what I am today. If it wasn't for that, I would be nothing. In fact, I'd be worse than nothing because the Bible says there's no good thing in us, no clean thing in us. I, I believe that we are separated from the unrepentant sinner when we find the cross of Calvary. Listen, if you've been to the Calvary and your friend has not been to Calvary, there's going to be separation. I, I think one of the most difficult things for new believers is the fact that when they become a believer and they've had an experience at the cross, that on the other side of the cross, they're uncomfortable going back to what was before the cross. And I'll tell you why tonight. The reason why is because you've been separated from that. Not because you're better than that person is or those people are, but because you've had the cross. And your job now as a new believer in Christ is to live a life of such reflection that those that are on the opposite side of the cross are drawn to your life through the cross and find Jesus in the midst of their journey. Praise God. I think, and I'm going to close kind of with this in the next five or 10 minutes tonight, but I think the most important and most powerful aspect of the cross is simply found in the fact that that's where the blood is. Not just any blood, but pure blood, perfect blood, sinless blood. You see, blood is essential for life. And it plays a role in every major function of the body. And every activity of the body, the blood is there. In fact, the blood's primary function is to transport oxygen throughout the body. And without the blood, we wouldn't be able, when I talk about the blood here, I'm talking about the blood of the cross. Without the blood that was shed at Calvary, we wouldn't be able to have a move of the divine oxygen of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, if you will. The oxygen that's in the Holy Ghost passes through the body of Christ by the blood. And elsewhere in Scripture, it says when we've gone through the cross, we become a part of the body of Christ. And that blood that was shed, that pure, holy, sinless blood, is always pumping the, the, the pure oxygen of the Spirit through the body of Christ. If the church wants to have a move of God continuously, and I believe that that's our desire, to have the presence of God and the glory of God, uh, we're in this 100 days for glory along with Pastor Wallace and, 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 and Ruach, and, and I'm excited about that. But if we really want his glory, what we're really saying is we want the move of the blood of the lamb because it's the moving of the blood that brings the oxygen of the spirit. And the blood travels continuously through the body by the pumping of the heart. And I believe tonight that the heart of the church has to be praise 
and worship and prayer and Bible reading, those things that we're trying to do in this 100 days for glory. I believe these acts of worship will pump the blood from the cross of Christ throughout the entire body. And the entire body will then receive the oxygen-giving force of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever let us become a church who doesn't know how to praise and to read and to pray and to do acts of generosity. Because as the blood moves through the body distributing oxygen, at the same time that blood is trading the life-giving oxygen to the organs for the carbon dioxide and other metabolic waste from the body parts, and it's removing it from the body. As the presence of God moves through us by the carrier of the blood of Calvary, it's giving us the life-giving nutrients of the blood. At the same time, it's pulling out all of the things that could cause damage. Praise God. It's the blood of Christ from the cross of Christ that we feel the spirit or the oxygen of divinity spreading abroad in our midst. And at the same time, it picks up the bitterness and the guile and, and, and the bad feelings and the negative attitudes and everything that is dangerous and potentially destructive to the body is carried out of the body because of the blood that's found at the cross. The blood also plays a major role in defending our bodies from infection. In fact, the only way to defend ourselves from the infections of sin and the world and get it out of our system is to stay close to the source of blood, which is found at Calvary. It, 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 it's, it's the thing that keeps us pure. It's the thing that keeps us holy. When God said, be ye holy for I am holy, it wasn't a command for us to figure out. I believe it was a declarative statement of God because he's holy and if we are have his blood flowing through us, it makes us holy. It makes us called aside unto him, set apart unto him. Praise God. I feel the presence of the Lord here already this evening. There's another function of the blood, and that's to help to maintain the precise internal environment needed for the body cells to carry on their own activities. Any change in this equilibrium of temperature known as homeostasis is harmful to the body. And so the blood keeps the body balanced by absorbing heat when it passes through the organs that are deep inside the body and then releases it to the rest of the body as it flows through the body. I believe, my friend, that the blood of Christ will do just the same. If you're a little cold in the spirit, if you're a little lukewarm, if you're struggling to stay spiritually healthy stay in the body because as the blood passes through the body it will absorb some of the heat of the person that's serving next to you that's worshiping next to you and it will take some of the heat of their spirit and distribute it to the other parts of the body we are designed to be a cohesive unit we are designed to be a community of believers so that the blood of Christ can take and regulate the heat of the body of Christ here on the earth. As long as you stay close to Calvary where the blood can be easily reached, you can find the regulating temperature of the spirit in your own body. You see, we need a good old washing in the blood. We need it. We can't really make it without the blood. 
And then last tonight, but definitely not the least, the, the, the cross is the place where Jesus Christ would become the central figure for time and eternity. No place in the history of mankind has the Lord been in such a central position. In the Old Testament, they went to the temple and let the high priest go into the Holy of Holies with the central focus of the presence of God. But at the cross is where Jesus Christ allowed you and I, the Bible says when he gave up the ghost that the veil in that Holy of Holies was rent from the top to the bottom so that you and I would now have free access into his presence. It's at the cross where this free access is given so that in the car, at the job, on the golf course, in church, wherever and whenever, we can find the power and the presence of Almighty God. We can step into his glory. Jesus has got to be the central figure in every life, in every home, and the only place we can find that before the rapture is at the cross. Every time you allow the source of the blood of Christ to flow from Calvary into your being, it will allow the presence of God to be the central point. You see, we're, we're people of planning. We have these things called calendars. And we want to plan forward and always look forward and have something on the agenda. And, and I like that. But in order to really recognize our destiny in him, we need to be able to flow with him. We need to make him the central part. I've heard an old time preacher say, I think it was D.L. Moody that says when he baptized people, he baptized them with their wallets in their pockets so that it baptized their money as well. And I've heard another people say, if you want to know the where you stand in Christ, look at your calendar and look at your checkbook, where you spend your time and where you spend your money is a good indicator about where your heart is. For the Bible says, for your heart is gonna chase after the riches that it desires. That was my terminology, my paraphrasing. Um, and so if my calendar and my checkbook are showing uh, that I'm after him, it will let me know that I'm after him. And if it'll show me if all my time is spent elsewhere, all my money is spent elsewhere, I have to reevaluate my priorities because Jesus has got to be the central portion of my life. I pray tonight that God would baptize us afresh with the true meaning of Calvary. I want to feel the anguish, the, as Paul said, the fellowship of his sufferings, as well as the power of his resurrection. I, I want to feel everything that he felt because the Bible tells me this in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's the 11th chapter, that even though he knew what he was walking into, the Bible says, who for the joy endured the cross. You see, on the other side of suffering is always joy. There's always a dancing after a morning. There's always beauty for ashes. There's always a dawn after the dark. And when you're connected to the cross of Calvary, it will allow you and it will allow others to see Jesus in his radiant glory 
here on earth. Oh, I'm looking for the day when I can kneel before him and he puts a crown upon my head. But until that day comes, I want to see Jesus and him crucified. I want to preach Jesus and him crucified because it's at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my sin were washed away. I love Jesus and I pray that you would find Calvary. If you've never bowed low at Calvary, you can bow low at Calvary right now and just plead the blood of Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to wash them away. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to allow the blood of Christ to overflow you and overwhelm you. And then allow him to start you on this brand new journey on the other side of the cross. Because on the other side of the cross is where you're going to get your crown. Praise God. God bless you all. We love you so much. Let's bow our heads one more time and dismiss in prayer. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, God, again for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I'm asking you, should you, Terry, bring us together again on the weekend? But unless that happens, God, I'm asking you to allow your blessings to overflow each one, each day of the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.